Every man has his price, and every Friday has a new episode of the Rutgers Scout Cast. Episode 59 this week, and we are going to call this one the Commitment Special, because commitment was the word of the week in a lot of different ways for Rutgers Athletics. Won't be discussed in the body of the show, but the, the financial commitments to the Rutgers basketball team have now paid off with a beautifully renovated weight room that they unveiled, gave, gave a nice tour to donors and some other riffraff like myself on Wednesday night. Really just the latest example, I, I, I was speaking to one of, the, one of the fundraising folks over at Rutgers, Rich Nup, and I said to him, Rich, I've been covering this program for 10 years, and I think I've been to more of these ribbon-cutting opening things in the last year than the first nine that I was with whether it's the Daily Targum or Scout or Rivals or wherever I was working at the time. Anyway, my point is that Rutgers continues to make progress in a lot of different ways. Parking at the rack, the soon, well, not that soon, but the eventually what will be the RWJ Barnabas Health Center. It, you know, the holes are deeper and they're starting to get to work there. We're about five months away from, no, not five months, whatever August is away from the official opening of the Marco Battaglia practice fields based on the donations from Jeff and Amy Towers. All that stuff's going on. But the real commitments this week, and, and this is where we're going to jump right into a conversation with scout national recruiting analyst Brian Doan, they came in recruiting. Rutgers got a huge grad transfer quarterback commitment. Rutgers got its first New Jersey commitment in the class of 2018, and Rutgers basketball made a splash on the transfer market as well. You know what? No more run, and I aim to misbehave. Let's just get right into it. Here is my conversation with Brian Doan, and as a disclaimer, we get a little bit inside at times this week. We go a little off the rails at times. We take some shots at people, but just know it's all in good fun. Uh, we don't mean any harm. We're just there to have a good time, talk about Rutgers, and there are a lot of good things going on right now. Uh, some of the shots that we take at the New York Jets, however, maybe not quite in as much good fun, but we'll see how it goes this weekend at the opening. Here's Brian. Well, it is commitment week, let's say, and so that means our news, like we discussed, is going to be focused on Rutgers' commitments. Now, to discuss these commitments, to break down what it means for both Rutgers football and basketball, we bring in scout national recruiting analyst Brian Doan. But before we jump into commitment season, Brian, what's going on? Uh, Nike, Nike, the opening regional was down in D.C. last weekend, and I was surprised at the number of Rutgers targets down there. And I don't know how many they're going to wind up with, if any. But to hear them talk about a couple different coaches, whether it's offensive line coach A.J. Blazek, Henry Baker in the secondary, coach Chris Ash. Jay Neiman, the defensive coordinator, they're talking about a lot of different things. And I've been doing this Nike thing now for, geez, maybe six, seven years. And it's the most I've heard Rutgers mentioned when you're talking about kids from the DMV. And then this weekend, we get to go see the Jets. And I can only imagine how much fun that is going to be because we know how much security enjoys having media around that don't cover the NFL, but they don't know that. And with the NFL draft this week, if the JTS Jetses wind up picking a quarterback during the draft, it will make for a very fun, intense 
situation, I'm sure, at the Jets practice facility for that Nike event on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, I don't know. You have such strange cultural references in movies. Have you ever seen Butch and Sundance? I have not. Have you seen Mallrats? No. All right, well, there's a character in both called LaForce, and LaForce is this... I know who he is. You know who LaFour... Yeah, yeah, you know who the New York Jets version of LaFour <laughs> yes. is. So any Jets fan knows that the Jets like to make everything difficult. Yes. And so the the head of security over there, he thinks that because we're at a Nike event at their facility that we're there to go harass... Let's see, Mark Sanchez was there one year and that was like a security head meltdown oh, for everyone. Oh, my goodness. They didn't even... They, when we showed up for that thing, because usually it used to be at Rutgers before they could move... You know, when it was on college campuses, they used to have it at Rutgers. Yeah, I, I mean, so the first time we went up to the Jets thing, I remember going to do an interview and walking around, and, and our man goes... Fours, yeah. Goes, what are you doing here? And I told him, he goes, well, there's no media allowed here. What? It was a very difficult situation. It was one that has kept a lot of people from coming back to cover this event because of its location. Now, for the kids, it's an outstanding location. And in the Jets' defense, I think last year went pretty smoothly. I don't think we've had an episode in the last two years with doing stuff up there. But it's always a thing where you look at it, and anybody I talk to, and I'm down in D.C. last week, and guys from, you know, now colleagues of ours at 24-7, hey, you going up to Jets next week? And there's always that little winker that... Let's see what this year brings there. And that's the only place around the country that that brings that kind of feeling, which is, as you put it, so Jets. I mean, so perfect Jets. You know, it's the classic example of how different New Jersey is from the rest of the world. It's the, the same reason that Rutgers coaches maybe aren't connecting in New Jersey. It's the same thing because everything has to be more complicated and dramatic. You were at the same event in Washington, D.C. last year last week, you'd think that Washington, D.C., nation's, nation's capital, Donald Trump, all this stuff, that it would be complicated. But no, you just roll into Centerville High School right off of a major highway, get in, get out. Whereas here in the Jets facility, it's an all-day, hey, like, what's going to happen next? Even when it was at the Redskins facility down in D.C., roll in, you're like, oh, what are you doing here? Okay, media, we have a special parking for you over here so you don't have to walk as far. Uh, yeah, let us know anything you need from the parking lot attendants and very easy, very simple, not much stress. And, you know, now you're with the Jets, and I think we'll probably be allowed in at 10 o'clock to park. And if you roll up to the security gate at 9.55, they may not let you in to go sit in your car because you're not supposed to be in until 10 o'clock. But the issue with that is you can start doing interviews at 10 o'clock, usually. So if you're waiting in line to get in at 10 o'clock, you don't get there till 10.30. So it, it makes it interesting shall we say to cover it but like i said the last two years there haven't been an issue other than when we were shooting scout spotlights and they wouldn't let rashawn gary yeah. walk 30 feet through a gate to shoot his scout spotlight and made all the prospects stand outside and be late coming in because they wouldn't let him in the park and wouldn't let their parents in to drop them off so there was basically a parade of people i would say a hundred prospects walking a half a mile to get in because they wouldn't let their parents in. So other than that, it's great. Yeah, Rashawn Gary, who will be playing for the Jets in 18 months, oh, was not allowed. Poor Rashawn. Yeah. Well, anyway. That's because they'll have the number one pick again. Yeah. Our, our theme 
for this episode is commitments, and we're going to discuss the big three commitments this week. So we might as well start where, let's see, this is episode 59. I'd say about 45 of them have been talking about quarterbacks. It's kind of what people at Rutgers talk or about. Or how screwed up old Queens is. Yeah, that too. All right, so it's uh, this week we're six minutes in before Brian's first shot at old Queens, so that's an improvement from last week. That's because I was taking shots at the Jets. Yeah. Uh, all right, someone that you can't take shots at right now. Well, you really? might be, you, you might be able really? to. How long have we known each other? Yeah, Kyle Bolin. I think this was a great pickup by Rutgers. I think it was a great job on both sides, getting it done quickly because we're talking about these. This staff and Kyle Bolin hadn't talked once on Thursday, and by Saturday night he was coming to Rutgers. So I think it was a very good job by both sides and a great pickup for Rutgers. The be, really the best possible situation after you lose Zach Allen. It's funny how things work because, just like you said, Zach Allen, the kid who transferred from TCU, who played receiver at TCU and came to Rutgers to try and be a quarterback, gets injured. Now he's going to miss the 2017 season. I don't care what they say. He's going to miss the 2017 season. And so now you're down to one quarterback and a freshman coming in. And the quarterback situation looks bleak. If Zach Allen doesn't go down, you don't go after Bowling. But now you go after Bowling, and your quarterback situation, while still not even close to being good, is at least upgraded than when Allen was there and healthy. So it's funny how things work out. And now I expect Bowling to come in and compete to be the starting quarterback. How quick can he pick up the system? You know, does he, does he mesh well with the team? Can he be a leader in the huddle? Those are all things that are interesting, but I'll tell you right now, He's If he's not the first quarterback, he's going to be the second quarterback just because he's going to have an opportunity to advance a little quicker than Jonathan Lewis because at least Bowen knows how to read defenses and, and go through that stuff. And the, the one wild card for me is this. Usually when a kid leaves the school because he's a backup, how good can he be? And I think there's some of that element here. But the other part of it is, he was playing behind a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, playing behind Chris Laviano. <laughs> it's an interesting situation because obviously there is a dire need to get a quarterback who can play. And it means they sold him on the fact that you can come to Rutgers and really have a good chance to start. And if you sat there and watched the spring game, and I was able to watch it on tape after being down in D.C. and not seeing it live... You realize yeah, no, normal people just say I watched it on my DVR. You don't have to say on tape. Oh, I set up a whole film projector, got popcorn, and you know, up in the attic, like Chevy Chase and vaca- Christmas vacation. Gluten free snacks, good call. Um, no, they weren't gluten free. Um, but anyway, you look at it and you say they really need help at quarterback. There is nobody at quarterback. You, you don't sit there and watch the spring game and go magical. You just don't say it. So there's plenty of room for competition, and that's fine. I mean, Gio's been through the competition. He emerged from it, and there's nothing wrong with with keeping to push the envelope and make him better and see where Jonathan Lewis fits in, and maybe this gives Jonathan Lewis a chance to redshirt if he's not the best quarterback early on. I I thought that the Tom Savage-Steve Shimko spring game was going to be the worst I ever saw in terms of quarterbacks, but it might have been rougher last week. The thing that stands out to me about Bolin is that he... It's another message from the Jerry Kill side of things. No, we're not 
only looking for a guy that can run. We can take guys that can do other things. And you're investing a lot in him because we've talked for two, three months now about how tight scholarships are, how there's a good chance Jawan Briscoe would have been the last guy that they could add in this class. So Rutgers really invested a lot into a quarterback that isn't a runner. So it's a great message to every 2018 recruit, every 2019 recruit. When we tell you we want a, you as a quarterback, but you're worried about running, you know, maybe that's not a problem. If you're willing to invest this much in Kyle Bolin and he's, you know, the favorite in Vegas to start the season right now, we'll see how that changes. Then what does that say to every 2018 and 2019 pocket passer recruit? It says, well, we already did it once, so maybe maybe believe us. The idea is you bend your system to fit your players. And I know everybody's, well, they tried to run with Laviano last year and tried to do you do it with talented players. That's the idea. And if you're going to have your quarterback who is a guy that can play for the long haul or, or whatever, just, you know, you, you bend it a little bit just to make it more comfortable for them. You don't go away from who you are. But it's interesting to see Jerry Kill at work here because he has so much more knowledge than a lot of other coordinators across the country. And not, not Drew Maringer. I'm on record. I, I think anybody that sits here and, and blames Drew and talks about how terrible he is really just doesn't understand what's on the field in terms of talent it's a or very, lack there. It's a very easy excuse. I, I mean, it, it's like, well, if we'd be better if we had a new quarterback. Um, no. There, there's so many moving parts to it. But I, I think you're right. It sends a message to recruits to say, look, we can do different things. And it's not just the quarterback position. It's like, well, wait a minute. If we're a read option offense, that means you're going to give the ball to the running backs a lot. But wait, if we're going to bring this kid in, maybe he throws it more so you can get you know, receivers a little more excited about what they talk about at Syracuse where it's like, well, we can't wait. We're going to run 190 plays in a game kind of deal. So it, it just gives diversity, but it comes down to can the staff sell the vision. And, and I give them credit to, to selling the vision to a kid very quickly and look there's a lot of things impressive about Rutgers when you bring a kid on a visit and what you still have to overcome is the on-field reputation of the team but there's opportunities there and it's a slow does this make Rutgers a nine-win team no he's not going to be here for four years what it does is it gives him a chance to be more competitive, maybe steal some games. If one of the quarterbacks gets hurt, the other guy can come in. And if it's Geo, he has experience. If it's Bolin, he has maturity. And so it just makes you a little bit better. You're, you're better today than you were before the kid committed, and that's important. Well, it wasn't the only spring game weekend edition for Rutgers football, the other new addition to the family, as they used to call it. You got a dog? No, no dogs allowed in my apartment. Cat? Rutgers picks up, nobody wants a cat, that's ridiculous. Rutgers picked up Jarrett Paul, a cornerback from Paramus Catholic. It's the first Paramus Catholic commit, well, I mean, Corey Bolds. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say it was a nice pickup for Rutgers, and I believe you have him for now, rated as a three-star kid. It's a guy I know you're going to have your eye on Sunday at the opening. 
I'm curious to see him. I want to see how well he runs. I, I think in looking at him, I think he's a safety. I know what Rutgers wants to do defensively. They want length. They want a kid who can jam at the line. And when you watch his tape, watch his footwork. Watch how quick he is with being able to move his feet and get his body in position. It's really good technique. And that's good. And there's some concerns there. The good part is he's been taught well. He understands how to play the position. He understands body. The flip side of it is it's less room for growth. It's less room to where he can get markedly better when he gets to a college program. My biggest question is, can he run? I, I don't know. I, I'm going to see that live on Sunday. When I saw him run last year, it, it was okay, but he was just finishing up his sophomore year of high school, so you give him time. He's a great kid. I think he's a smart kid. He's a kid that wants to be at Rutgers. I think he is better than some of the other kids that may be in the program just as far as a you know a better ceiling. I think he's a high character kid. And so I understand why they take him. And again, if you can jam at the line of scrimmage and your technique is solid there, in theory you don't need to be able to cover 30 yards down the field because the receiver's not going to get there because your line is going to get there and pressure the quarterback. It's another issue, but we'll tackle that another time. So for me, it's an interesting pickup. If he is the number one cornerback that you take in this class, I think you sit there and you say, mm, I'd like to see a little more talent and depth there, but they need cornerbacks. I talked to Judson Tillandier, DeMatha cornerback, over, you know, last weekend down in D.C., and he's like, yeah, Rutgers has five cornerbacks and two are leaving after the season. I haven't looked at the numbers really, but it tells you they are thin, and you need to build it. You know, we say it all the time. They lost six defensive backs a couple years ago, just kicked out of school. And it takes time to replenish that depth, and, and that's important. And I think Paul gives it. I mean, I think they should have taken him, and they did, so I don't have an issue with it. Paul is someone that I think always wanted to go to Rutgers or Syracuse because three years ago probably, when whenever he was like a freshman just starting out out of New York, he would hit up every Rutgers writer and every Syracuse writer. Hey, I'm coming to camp. Hey, uh, can you show my film to the coaches? Hey, I uh, really like the, really like what's going on at the school. Hey, I'm coming back for a visit. I'm coming to this game. Hey, can you come find me at this camp? So that's three. First off, that means he's smart. That he's starting to build these relationships. And with, not not in a bothersome way either. No, there, and believe me, there's a bothersome way. Um, I can think of one. Queen kid. of Peace High School. Yeah. <clears throat> he wanted to go to a local school like that, and now he has that opportunity at Rutgers. And I think that you talk about relationships, and that's a big reason why if I'm Rutgers, I want this kid. Because, yeah, it doesn't come, mean as much coming from a guy that had one, two offers, but this is a guy that knows everybody in New York because he played there for two years, grew up there, and now he's going to be playing against the best of the best in North Jersey with Paramus Catholic. So he's friends with everybody. Uh, I believe Corey Gross, a guy that we've mentioned, he's very close with. He's friends with... Um, he knows a lot of New York kids because he played at Christ at King. So, exactly. So he knows, you know, Ahmad Anderson. You know, he knows the kids at Cardinal Hayes. Yeah, he knows all them. Yeah, he. I saw him talking to all the Cardinal Hayes kids at the spring game. He's getting Tim Barrow involved, talking with all these guys, he, yeah. talking to Zaheer Lacewell. You name him, and Jared Paul. Not only is he, you know, a smart, good communicator, but he knows a lot of people, and that helps Rutgers. Uh, good pickup. 
like you said, if this is your star defensive pickup, maybe maybe it wasn't the best recruiting class, but he gives enough of what you want that it's a kid that you want in your program. You know, it's what you said. He may not have had 25 offers, but that's not always the end-all be-all. That's important if you're trying to get, you know, somebody from outside of the area that doesn't know him. Well, this kid in it went there, so it's, oh, I, I need to look it out. He's a likable kid, and he will get along well with a lot of the kids in North Jersey, just like he gets along with a lot of kids well in the city. And at the end of the day, a kid that they get along with, a kid that is upbeat and, and on them and recruiting them, and that they respect as a kid, is a lot better than just some kid who had a lot of offers and commits and doesn't say much. Go look at what we said when Najee Jones committed out of Timber Creek. I'm guessing it was a very similar conversation to the one we're having now. And then look at Other how, than we didn't, at that time we said, I wonder what coach he'll be playing for. At least now we know what coach. Yes. Now, look at how that helped revive some, South Jersey was a train wreck at that time. And look how it helped to revive things. And while you still missed on a couple kids down there, Rutgers is a much more a part of that conversation yeah. in South Jersey. And I think that starting things off with a popular, smart, hardworking kid from a good school and a good program, maybe Rutgers can do the same up in North Jersey where things didn't go great uh, the last two cycles. All right, Brian. So I, I talked to a bunch of people after Rutgers basketball picked up a commitment this weekend. It was one that a good victory. They beat out legitimately beat out Auburn for Peter Kiss out of Quinnipiac a transfer. What, he, I remember seeing him back in the early '80s with Gene Simmons and Ace Freely. Um, just a tremendous show. One of my favorite bands. Yeah, Love Gun. I love that because you know you pulled the trigger of my Love Gun. It's actually a euphemism, but um, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and just talk about Peter Kiss the player. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the drummer from Kiss. Okay. Oh, I'm no, that's sorry. Starchild. I'm sorry. Which I, one's I, the cat? The drummer, Peter. Okay. Oh, that's Peter Chris. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So I talked to a, a couple people that know, and the thought is the day that this kid steps into practice, he's the best athlete on the team. He he does so much well. He, is Corey Sanders at practice? Corey Sanders is a really good athlete, but I don't think he's as refined. But if you read my Peter Kiss interview. Uh, which I believe is up for free now. He talks, yeah, we talk to the staff a lot about how me and Corey Sanders are going to push each other in practice and I'm going to make Corey Sanders a better player during the redshirt year. You mean competition, not a fight? No, 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 this isn't, you know, Paul VI High School. Okay. So my point is that Rutgers got a great pickup here and while he has to sit out, that I think the fact that he does have to, have to sit out tells you how important this player is because Rutgers needs guys that can play. So if you're going out of your way for one of a few scholarships available to take a guy that can't play right now, it tells you how good he is. Because there have been a lot of transfers that are interested that Rutgers said no thanks because they want immediately eligible guys. Peter Kiss does not fit that. He's a better shooter than his numbers indicate as a freshman. Whenever you're a freshman and basketball player, you run out of gas after 20 games, and that's where his numbers plummeted. He's going to be one of the better three-point shooters by the time he plays. He can guard the one to the three. And he's already proven himself at Quinnipiac, which, while it's not the Big Ten, it's better than a lot of the schools Rutgers played in non-conference. couple things. It's Quinnipiac. I used to live 20 minutes from it. Cover it. It's Quinnipiac. Okay, well, it's Genarian. Quinnipiac. The second thing is, 
I've watched Rutgers over the years bring in a lot of players who can't play in their first year or their second and third, except they were eligible. So I am excited to hear that he does have a lot of ability. I think it's a smart move because, you know, he still has a number of years of eligibility after sitting out. When you get him for three more years, you know, I, I go back to, I remember when Ben Hallen was rebuilding Pitt. And I used to talk to him all the time about it. He's like, you need kids to redshirt. You want to get them in, you want to redshirt them, change their bodies. And then, you know, by the time they're fourth and fifth year guys, they're physically imposing guys who are big. And that's what this is to me. It's it's more for the future. If you were going to bring in a freshman point guard right now, a freshman guard, and you would have to go through growing pains with them. And this is, in essence, what you just did, except that freshman isn't going to play. So it, it makes sense, and it, it tells me that they have a vision toward where they want to be in four years or in three years. And it's not just all about plugging holes, filling gaps for the short term, that there's a long-range plan. And so when I heard that he had committed, I thought it, it was a really good get for them. And he's like, hey, look... He's a good player, and sometimes kids develop at different in different ways. And you know, Quinnipiac, while they're not a power, they're still a. a de- they've had success, so I think it's good. And it's it's you know it being in the system for a year, and and Corey Sanders has to battle against him in practice. That's a good thing for both sides because they're both going to get better from it. You know, give it another year or two, and I think that Rutgers is going to be really dangerous as recruiters in that New England Northeast area. Because some of the schools up there, look at UMass, look at some of the schools. UConn is struggling right now. While Rutgers has had relationships in that area for 20 years with the staff. Boston College isn't lighting the world on fire in recruiting. No, no. Well, that's what happens when you take Eli Carter as a grad transfer. You talk about plug-in holes. That's what I'd like to see Rutgers do to finish this class. I believe... Numbers change, and I wasn't a math major. I believe Rutgers has two spots left. Maybe don't don't have to fill both if you want to have a big impact in 2018, which Rutgers does. You need something else in the post because Shaq Dorson, his foot has been a problem ever since he stepped on campus, and Candido saw is more of a four than a five. You need something, something else in the post. That's where I'd like to see them go for the grad transfer. You, you might not get C.J. Gettys, but you got to get something. I feel like at least in basketball recruiting, and you and I have spoken about this, you know, just in our everyday conversations, I do feel like they are working hard in recruiting. And I couldn't have said that for a little bit of time. I feel like they're working hard. Now, I know every time somebody decides they're leaving a school, which I think I think the latest number I can figure is about 85% of basketball players transfer each year. That so, sounds legit. I mean... And it's like, oh, what about this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid? I mean, it gets a little tiresome just in that regard, but you know the staff is looking at every kid that becomes available and trying to work an angle, and I think that's comforting. And then you can put it on top of the fact that I'm not going to say Rutgers was one of the best coach teams in the Big Ten this past year. I don't really know. I really can't sit there and say that because I haven't watched enough of the other Big Ten teams to know it. But I'm pretty comfortable saying the improvement made in coaching and how well a team was coached from two years ago to this past year was probably the best in the nation at any level of basketball, third grade, college, whatever. The fact that this staff 
so Saturday is Rutgers Day, and part of Rutgers Day is dedicating the barn to Jim Valvano. The staff won't be there because the staff is on the road recruiting. How dare they not be there? How can they not be there for such a... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're used to that. And then if they're there, how can they not be on the road recruiting? Yeah. Why are they there? Well, I don't know anything about anything. Jimmy V's life. I don't know him personally, I'm saying, but I feel like he would probably want his alma mater's coaches to be out on the road recruiting instead of hanging out at the barn. I think that there are similar events in the past where we've seen head coaches go there to take pictures and sign autographs instead of be out on the road recruiting, and it's good to see that Steve Peichel plans to be out on the road recruiting this weekend. You know, I think for people that don't know or, or really don't pay attention to it, I know there are some diehards that really pay attention to it, but for a long, long, long time, Rutgers has really failed to embrace Valvano as one of theirs. I didn't even know Jimmy V had anything to do with Rutgers until I was probably 19 years old. So when you look at it, it makes sense to do stuff like that. I mean, he, he was a central figure in basketball at Rutgers. You know, you know he did at NC State, but he, he continues to be recognizable beyond the game. And I think it's... It's a testament to people, and I know some people that have worked very close with the situation, with with capitalizing more on on being part of that, and maybe capitalize isn't the right word, but just in terms of being involved and, and embracing that Valvano, you know, his ties to Rutgers, just like Dickie V and his ties to Rutgers. And so I think it's a testament to, to them because I do know that they've been working behind the scenes for a long time before Pat Hobbs was around um, and the pushback or the lack of help that they've received from the school's administration that's two is frustrating for them I know so I give them a lot of credit for pushing through and continuing to develop relationships in this way and really honors I mean I went to school at Rutgers and Instead of, I took a lot of night classes just because I found it more enjoyable to go play hoops in the barn every day when they had like open rec, which I'm sure they still have. But I mean, that's a play. I spent a lot of time there as an undergrad, just hooping it up all the time. And so I, I think it's, um, I think it's something that's good, and I think it's something that you say, shoot, man, it's about time. Next step is to get a game there. Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag is open, and it's always open via my Twitter at SamHellmanScout, via email sthelman at gmail.com, and Facebook SamHellmanScout. Ryan, opening up the mailbag this week, both questions came from our premium message board subscribers. I think they should just drop the questions off at your house. The address is? I'll, I'll give it out in a month because I'm moving. Uh and whoever moves in next is in for a rough ride with my neighbors, but that's a whole other story. Both questions this week came from someone named Bill, our premium subscriber, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the on-topic question is, in honor of the NFL draft, who's most likely to be picked from Rutgers who has the best NFL potential this year? Picked in the draft? Yeah. Now, now No one. Next. <laughs> okay. Next. My answer would be Chris Muller. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but I think he has the most NFL potential of those guys. Now, to be fair, this drops Friday. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe someone went in that first round from Rutgers. 
do you think? I'll just say this without people thinking I'm being a jerk. <laughs> Good luck. The jerk store called. Anyway, I've talked to a number of NFL scouts who I know who have gone through the colleges, checking everything out. And the one thing I continue to hear, and I put this on the message board and people didn't want to believe me. Right now, they don't have any draftable players in this class. The next class, they have Kamoko Ture. You got more than that. No, no, they have Kamoko Ture. They will look at Janari and Grant and, you know, maybe one other player. I mean, I think Blisson Austin is an NFL corner. Uh, I think he is. I think he has to develop a little more. If he were to leave early, that would be good for Rutgers in the sense that it means he had an outstanding season. Yeah. Um, given the cornerback depth, it would be a trouble. And I think, you know, there's maybe somebody on the offensive line could have a chance for it as well. But, folks, I mean, how many did they have drafted last year? All right, well, off topic this week, the question is, what is our favorite movie franchise? Really? Uh, movie franchise? Yeah. Now, you know since the, per- the asker is Bill, I'm going to assume that this was Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and he wants us to choose <laughs> the Bill and Ted franchise. I'm going to let you go first, because I really want to give a thought to this, because I know which way I'm leaning, and it is going to absolutely stun a lot of people. Uh, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what you mean by the word franchise, but my answer is and will always be Star Wars. Uh, as far as I know, it's the first movie I ever saw, and if all turns out well, it'll probably be the last movie I see before I die. I love Star Wars. I even like Jar Jar Binks. This may, people may not view this as a franchise, but since there's two of them, I'm viewing it as a franchise. Now, those two have taken place 60 years apart okay one groundbreaking revolutionary it revolutionized the movie business with what could be done in theaters the second one was just beautiful to watch all the way around and you have no idea where i'm going with I, this. I don't i i'm pretty good with movies but i don't know where and, you're going and with so this. and i'll tell you this the second one which i don't want to call a sequel I was supposed to go to with my wife. It opened on New Year's Day, and we were going to go to the Rose Bowl game. I believe it was Wisconsin-UCLA, or it may have been Purdue-UCLA. I can't remember. And went to the game. I felt, She was so sick, she stayed home. I went to the game, felt terrible during the game, came home. We had tickets to go to this showing at, like, midnight. We didn't go. The two movies... The original Fantasia. Okay. And Fantasia 2000. And for anybody that doesn't know me, one of my favorite things in life is Disney and Mickey Mouse. For those that do know me, you already knew that answer. I mean, Fantasia, when you realize what it did with surround sound in a movie theater, and then you look at Fantasia 2000 to where they brought back um, just some wonderful pieces of classical music and put it into modern times, especially with Humpback Whales. Just two great, great movies. Well, you're forgetting the third one, which I know you really enjoyed. It's called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, starring Jay Baruchel. Really good. Just just great cinema. I don't know what that means. I know. I know you don't, but it happened, unfortunately. Uh, all right. Well, that was the mailbag for this week. Thanks, Brian.